You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join Associate Pastor Paul Kern for the message, Strong Faith. All right, well, let's pray, and we're going to go right into the Word tonight. I'm really excited about what I have for you tonight. It's going to be really good. Father, we just submit this time to you. Once again, God, we submit our minds, our hearts to your instruction. And Lord, we pray tonight that we will be touched by the anointing of your Word. And God, that our lives, our hearts, our minds will be transformed and renewed tonight by the washing of water, by your word. God, help us to continue to move in to the strong life that you have destined us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to welcome you to our Strong Life series. Now, believe it or not, we have two sessions left. Mine tonight is going to be on Strong Faith And then the last session will be David Payton next Wednesday night, and David is going to be talking about strong potential. We saved the best two for last, so you guys get your notes out, get your phone out, because it's going to be good tonight. You know, I have had the opportunity uh, to get to to preach faith for over 20 years. You know, I've, I've, I've preached a lot of faith, and I've heard a lot of messages preached on faith. But, you know, honestly, faith is something that you have to learn to live through experience, not necessarily something that you have preached to you or something that you read in a book. Now, we know in Romans 10, 17, the Scripture clearly says how you get faith. Do you get faith by praying? Do you get faith by dancing? Do you get faith by raising your hands, by fasting? Well, that... That's not the primary way that you get faith, because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing truth. Like I said, I've seen a lot of people preach faith. I've had an opportunity to preach a lot on faith, but I've also seen a lot of people really get hurt from the message of faith. And very disillusioned because they had faith to believe God for something. And for whatever reason, that something didn't occur in their life. And I've even seen people turn their backs on God. And, you know, that's it's a sad thing. But it's an unnecessary thing if we have a good foundation of what faith is. And so tonight... You know, I want to kind of back up a little bit, I guess, and and go back to our roots and kind of go back and lay just some basic foundation here on what faith is all about. So what does it really mean? What what is faith? Well, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. That's what faith is. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is an action done in response to God's viewpoint on a matter. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it's so. 
Tonight I'm going to give you three concepts. I want to cover three concepts on faith with you. So those of you that are taking notes, um, this will be something that you can really follow along on. Number one, faith is anchored in truth. And this is probably a really, really important one in, in the list of the three that I'm going to be giving you tonight. In other words, faith isn't subjective. You know, I've heard people say to me as Christians, well, if I just have enough faith, if I can just believe enough, then, then it, will, it will happen for me. And then later they wonder why their faith didn't work for them in that particular circumstance that they were hoping that it would work for them in. It's important to understand, church, that faith isn't a feeling. And I really want to get this point across more than anything else in this particular concept because I think many, many people are looking for a feeling before they act in faith. If I, just, if I can feel it, then I can act on it. And you have to know that faith is not a feeling. It is not a supernatural force to get God to give us what we want or what we're believing for or what we're asking for. The fact is, if faith isn't tied to God's truth, it's ineffective. Now, this is a very important concept because faith has no value in itself. It finds its value in the thing that it's anchored to. See, my faith is in God. God is the object of my faith. You know, I remember years and years ago, and I'm going to date myself a little bit, but, but I remember Nike. And, you know, they've had some really cool little, you know, commercials that they've run, and they have these little things that they put together. And one of the particular ones that they did was, it was, you know, just have faith. Just have faith. Well, the only thing that gives our faith any power or any value is God. You know, I, I can have faith in myself. I can have faith in my circumstances. I can have faith in a lot of things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to cause anything to come about or anything to happen. Now, once again, like I said, faith is not a feeling. You can have faith to pray for someone to be healed. Amen? You can have faith to believe God for a blessing in your finances. You can have faith to love someone who has treated you harshly. You can have faith for all of these things. And you do all of these simply because you believe what God says is true, not because you necessarily have a feeling for that. Or you understand what I'm saying? See, there's, a, there's, a, there's not really a compelling reason for you to believe that. There's not really a, an overriding emotion that would lead you to act out on that. The only thing that is influencing you is the truth of God's Word. That is the thing that is influencing you. Now, there's a great illustration in Scripture, and um, I want to look at this. Everybody go to Luke chapter 5, because I think this does such a great job of, of uh, pointing this out. Luke chapter 5. All of you will be familiar with this story. We're going to start with verse 11. <clears throat> Here is uh, Simon Peter. And a lot of his buddies, they've been out fishing. And Jesus is about to teach them an incredible lesson 
on faith. He's about to open their eyes to what faith is all about. So starting here in in verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But at your word, we will let down our nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish that they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others that were with him. Now there's a really important lesson that we can see here. I mean, Simon and his friends, they had fished all the previous night. They hadn't caught anything. These guys were tired. They've already cleaned their nets. They've already put their nets up. These guys are coming in. They're done. They're wore out. They're tired. And so Jesus comes in and and basically says, guys, I know that you've been fishing all night. I know you're fishermen. I know you do this for a living. I know you know everything about fishing. You don't really even fish during the day for fish with nets. That's not how you do it in the ocean. I know all of that, but here's what I'm saying. Go out into deeper water, which you don't let down nets in deeper water. Basically, everything that Jesus was telling them to do went against logic and reason. So what Jesus was, in in essence, showing them, your mind can get in the way. Now understand, church, our mind is a tool that God has given us to help us understand God's Word and to reason. But we also have to know that our mind is carnal. Our mind is fallen. And that's why our mind has to be renewed day by day. And Jesus is speaking to this, these unredeemed men, and he's telling them to do something that makes absolutely no sense in the natural, but he's trying to teach them a lesson in faith. And so here these guys are. We've fished all night. We haven't called anything. It doesn't make any sense. But at your word, Jesus, at your word, because you say so, we're going to let down our nets. And here's the principle. Faith in action. Faith in action. Faith means acting on what God says in spite of our opinions. And trust me, they had opinions. Faith means acting on what God says regardless of our past experiences. Well, I prayed for them before to be healed, and they weren't healed. Well, I asked God to bless me in this area. I prayed for a mate before, and God didn't answer my prayer. I asked God for that promotion, and I did not get the promotion. See, it it goes beyond your past experiences, and it goes beyond your feelings. Because these guys had to fight through the feeling of, I just simply don't want to have to do all this all over again because I can already tell you it isn't going to work. There's nothing about this makes any sense. But see, faith is acting on God's truth, whether we feel like it or not. That's why God gave us faith, because God knew how we are. He knew that there will be many, many times that we won't feel like it. Our circumstances won't seem favorable The outcome looks really bad. That's why God gave us faith. 
whether or not we like the truth that God said, whether we agree with that truth or not, it doesn't matter. Faith just means acting like what God said is true, and then we act on it. See, your, your, your mind, your emotions, they're probably often the greatest enemy to faith. And, and if you've done any kind of believing for God for things at all in your life, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because about the minute that you begin to want to believe God for something, it's when the enemy comes against you. And my mind has been the biggest thing in the world against me because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a guy who, you know, it's got to make sense. You know, it can't, I'm not one of those kind of guys who just, ooh, you know, I'm not like that. And so if it's kind of weird or it doesn't really make sense, I don't really want to participate in it. But I also have to remind myself that so many times Jesus did so many things that did not make sense. It just didn't make any sense. Pick up some dirt, spit in it. Rub it on a guy's eyes, and then go tell him to wash, and you'll see. Are you kidding me? That makes no sense. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so our feelings and our emotions have to be something that come under the lordship of God's word. And we, we bring our mind, our emotions, our will, and cause it to submit I mean, in other words, I don't see any possible way that this could turn out right, but God, I'm putting my trust in you. You know, I remember when my wife and I were starting out early in our married life, and, you know, we didn't, of course, we're like most couples, we just didn't have a lot of money. I mean, th things were pretty tight, and, um, you know, we had lots of needs, and we had some wants, too, wants and dreams and desires, and there just wasn't a lot of money there. And I remember often saying to myself, God, you know, I really don't have the money in the bank for this bill or for this need. I, I, I really don't have the resources. But God, I know you say in your word in Philippians 4, 9, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so, basically, it was true, you know, if I were to pull my pocket out, there would be nothing there but lint. There was no money there. That was true. But there was a greater truth that trumped that. And that greater truth was, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches, not mine, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I remember saying, God, I know your word says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, a farmer who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but a farmer who sows willingly and abundantly will reap an abundant harvest. And so I got a hold of this early in my married life that I'm going to have to be a man who lives by faith if I'm going to see God move in my life and faith is going to work in my life the way God intended it to work. See, there were no favorable emotions at that time. You understand? There, were, there was no money in the account. I mean, I had great need. And church, I'm just telling you, the best way to calm the storm of worry and anxiety 
is with truth-infused faith. And so concept number one, faith is anchored to truth. Amen? Concept number two, faith grows in the dark. This is a hard one. It's tough. Faith is birthed in adversity. You know, you don't need faith when you have all the answers. You don't need faith when everything's going your way. You don't need faith when you have no struggles in your life. You need faith when everything is going the opposite of that. See, faith finds its true measure and its true worth under trial. That's when you know whether or not your faith is real, when it comes under trial. You know, I love the skies in Arkansas. I love them. They're beautiful. They're captivating to me. Uh, I often go outside at night. I don't really like being inside much. I'm not really an inside kind of guy. And I go outside at night in the evenings, and I look up at the skies, and you know, I see the beauty of God's creation. I see all the stars and the galaxy and our solar system and how beautiful it is. And I'm just, I'm, I'm awestruck by it. And I, I remember one evening in particular, I was outside and, and I looked up at the sky and all I saw was one star. I mean, in that whole vast expanse of sky, all I saw was one star. But as time passed, I began to see more and more and more stars. And the fact is, church, those stars were there all along. They were there the whole time that I was looking. But it took darkness to reveal them. And you know, faith is like stars. Sometimes the greatest lessons faith, when we recognize most clearly God's presence, it happens in the dark. You know, in my prayer for you tonight, and maybe there's some people here in this building who are really going through some dark times. Maybe you're facing some real difficult struggles right now. Maybe it's with your health, or maybe it's with your business, or maybe you were laid off, or maybe there's a family member uh, in your family that's really struggling, or maybe it's someone that's a friend that's lost and they're having a very difficult time, or maybe you're just really having a, a personal battle in your life right now. Maybe you're in a slump. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with worry. I, I don't really know exactly where you are, but, but if I could just encourage you tonight, if you're in a trial, if you feel surrounded by darkness, here's my encouragement to you. Look to God and allow God to grow your faith. Don't allow the enemy to diminish it. And here's the thing that I want you to know. It's your choice. Because, see, God has given us his word, he's given us his son, he's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us everything that we need to live a life of faith and godliness. But we have to make that decision that we're going to agree with God in the moment of our trial, and we're going to look to him during times of struggle. The truth is, God may allow you to go through difficulties in your life. And they're not a result of anything that you've done. I've been through a lot of difficulties in my life that were absolutely no result that I'm aware of anyway, of anything that I had done. But they're an opportunity 
for your faith to be strengthened. You know, I've always said, and I believe this to be true, God will never waste your adversities if you let him. See, Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that God causes all things to work together for the good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The scripture says that God works through trials for our good. Now, you can't look at a difficult moment that you're going through and find good in it. You just can't. I mean, because it's a bad situation. So if you look at it with your natural eye, you're not going to find any good. But, you know, I heard this description one time, and I thought, you know, this, it, it's really kind of an a easy way of describing it, but it makes sense. How many of y'all like chocolate chip cookies? Now, hold up. Now, I'm not talking about the cheap kind that's pre-done at Walmart. I'm talking about homemade chocolate chip cookies, and it's right when they come out of the oven, and they're gooey, Right? And I mean, you know, you pull them apart and the, and the chocolate chip kind of melts and it, it kind of sags, you know. And you have a big glass of ice, cold, whatever you like. For me, it's milk. <laughs> but for, you know, those lactose intolerant people in here tonight, almond milk, goat milk, whatever. You, I don't know what you drink, but whatever it is. But the point is the cookies, not the milk. So we're talking about cookies. At, I just don't know too many people that don't like that. I mean, right out of the oven, hot and fresh. I mean, at my house, we camp around the oven. I mean, we're, we're waiting. We have people over. We're playing dominoes or whatever. And, you know, we're trying to focus on the game, but we really can't because we're thinking about the cookies. And so those cookies are delicious. But, you know, if we were to isolate all of those ingredients on their own. The flour, the baking soda, the oil, the sugar, the vanilla. If you were to isolate all of those ingredients and I were to say to you, here, have a, have a big old cup of white flour. It's delicious. Just, just get you a big old spoonful of it. Mm -mm. Here, just have a big old cup of, of oil. Isn't that yummy? No, that, that would be repulsive to us it's because those ingredients, if we isolate them and we just look at them at face value, nobody would want those. They're awful. No, no, I don't want that. And the same thing can happen to us when we're going through trials. What we do is we tend to focus on that one thing that we're dealing with, that one problem that's in our life, or, or, or we begin to individualize these two or three problems and we isolate them and we focus on them, those aren't going to be good. But see, God has a way of taking the flour and taking the sugar and taking the oil and taking the vanilla and he mixes them all together and he puts them in an oven that's full of heat. And over time, through that process, you get chocolate chip cookies. And, you know, we can all understand that, and we can see that outcome. But we have to know that God can do the same thing 
with our trials. God can do the same thing with things that we're facing in our lives. Trials test the heart. Trials test the heart. They show where our faith is still immature. They show us where we still need to grow. And they show us where we have grown. They show us progress that maybe we've made in our walk with the Lord as we all continue to grow because this year that's what we're talking about is becoming stronger and stronger. And the way that you become stronger is you mature. And the way, one of the ways that you mature is you go through trials. You know, in 2007, I had been talking about it for several years before. I wanted to get my mom moved up here because I had small children at the time and we didn't really have any family that lived here in the area close by and you know, I really wanted my sons to be exposed to a grandmother, and so I began talking to my mom about moving her here and begin to work on house plans and meeting with a contractor. And at the end of 2007, and I'll never forget it, it was right there at the end of December, around the 30th or the 31st, I was expecting my mom to arrive here in Hot Springs. She was coming from Texas, and she was driving up. She had about a four-hour drive, and I was expecting her at a certain time. I knew what time she had left. I knew about what time she was going to get here. I remember being outside in the driveway, and I got a phone call from a hospital here in Hot Springs. They said, is this Mr. Kern? I said, yes, it is. She said, is your mother uh, named Sarah? And I said, yes, it is. She said, well, we have really bad news for you. Your mom's been involved in a very tragic car accident, and she is here. Uh, in town at our hospital, and we need you to come here as soon as you can. And you know, I didn't know at the time, but that was going to begin about a, about a year-long event in my life that was going to be really, really difficult. I was in the hospital day and night for two months by my mom's bedside. Most of my responsibilities here at the ministry, uh, David Pate, helped take over Stephen Sexton, Pastor Tim, because I was there all the time. There was a lot of damage uh, done to my mom, several surgeries that had to be done. She was in serious condition. Then after being two months in the hospital, she was moved to National Park where she was in rehab for another month. And then ultimately she moved in to our home and she lived with us there for several months while we were trying to mend her back and get her back on her feet all the while. The ministry was still going all the while. Applied Life Leaders Academy, our internship that I was responsible for, was still going. And um, at the same time, there were some other circumstances and situations with my children that, that we were dealing with. And um, it was a tough season. It was a really, really tough season. And, you know, as I look back on that season now, and, I, and I, I, I share this experience with you not so you can feel sorry for me. I mean, that's not why I'm sharing it. I'm sharing it with you because I want you to know that we all go through things. It doesn't really matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor in the ministry. It doesn't matter if you're a, an auto mechanic. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer. It doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved. We all go through trials and we all go through tests. And I didn't realize it then, but I can clearly see it now, that God was using that season of difficulty in my life to prepare me for a greater battle that I was going to have to face later in life. And so tonight as I'm talking to you, 
I want you to know that faith comes down to how you view life. What lens do you look through when you look at your problems and your situations? Will you see darkness or will you see stars? The question is up to you. We all have that option and we all have to decide. My encouragement to you tonight is that you will allow your faith to be developed through the trials that you go through so that God can make you stronger. Because I can honestly say, I have a lot more strength now than I did 10 years ago. I'm a much stronger person than I was then, than I am now. And it was all because of what I went through. Now, obviously, you know, church, I'm not, I'm not into some suffering servant camp. You know, I'm not wanting people to sign up. I wouldn't want to go through any of that again. But my point is, is that God has an ability to make chocolate chip cookies out of seemingly bad, difficult situations. So don't isolate what you're going through. See the big picture and trust God that he's going to bring you through onto the other side. Amen? The third concept that I want to talk about, and the final one, is faith endures. Faith endures. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the suffering. Jesus endured, and faith endures. It's such an important element of faith. Faith is, it's a lot like running a race. God's not called us to the 100-yard dash or a fast sprint around the track. No, the life of faith is a marathon. And you've got to be a person who is going to sign up for the long haul. You know, I've watched lots of people over the years start things. All the time, I watch people start things. We start doing things. Starting's easy. Many people start things. 90% of all small businesses in the United States fail within the first year. We're very enthusiastic about starting we just aren't able to endure to the end. Now, I've always said anybody can start something, and many people do. But God, church, listen, God has called us to be people who finish. You know, I think about Jesus enduring the cross, and I think about the seven sayings of Jesus when he was on the cross. And one of the seven sayings that Jesus said at the very end, he said, it is finished. Jesus said, I came to do the will of my Father and to finish it. Not to start it, but to finish it. 
I watch lots of people start their Christian life. They start the Christian, the Christian race. But then trials come. Difficulties come. Hurt comes. Offense comes. Fear comes. Worry comes. The cares of the world come. The draw and the temptation of worldly things, drugs and alcohol and sex outside of marriage and all these worldly things, they begin to pull at us. But Jesus said, I have come to do the will of my Father and to finish it. And God has not called us to start the Christian life. God has called us to finish the Christian life and at the end hear him say, well done. Well done. See, if you're going to hear well done, you have to endure to the end. If you're going to get the clap of the crowd when you cross the finish line, you're going to have to cross the finish line. Faith requires a steady, daily dependence on the character and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's why I tell our interns all the time, read your word, read your Bible. Go to Ma- and, the, and what I can tell you, church, to read more than anything else, go to the Gospels and read what Jesus says. Go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Go to John and get over there in John chapter 10 and just read all the way to the end. All kinds of great teachings by Jesus that will inspire you, that will fuel your faith. Faith requires a steady daily dependence on Jesus. The fact is, if faith doesn't exhibit a daily dependence, when the challenges of life come, then you'll be too out of shape to go to the next level. You'll be too out of shape to go to the next step. Anybody that works out understands there's a difference between strength training and endurance training. you got to have both. I remember working out with a guy one time. As a matter of fact, he was from T.C. I'm not going to say his name, but he was from T.C., and he was huge. This guy was massive. He, he, his arms were bigger than my legs. They were like tree trunks. This guy was really, really big. And I worked out with him, and he was way stronger than me. But I gave him a bet one day. I said, I bet I can give you an exercise that you can't do for two minutes. And he laughed at me. And I said, I'm serious. I will buy you a steak dinner from any restaurant in town if you can do this ab workout for two minutes. He scoffed. So I showed him the workout to do. And he got about 45 seconds into it and quit. Because I already knew that he was a strength trainer. He was not an endurance trainer. See, you can have all kinds of muscle. You can be really, really strong. But if you don't have endurance, you can't last. See, there's a big difference between a guy that can run a marathon and a guy that can run the 100-yard dash. Now, the guy that runs the 100-yard dash, he's going to beat the guy that runs the marathon. But the guy that runs the marathon is going to lap him a thousand times because there's a difference between these two things. And as believers, church, we have to understand, and I encourage you to exercise your faith daily. Supplement your faith with God's Word. Supplement your faith with prayer. Supplement your faith with fasting. Seek the Lord so that you can be built up strong so that your faith 
can endure over the long haul. You know, whenever we face afflictions, the devil's going to come to you. You guys at TC, some of you guys that are new there, and you're just starting, or, or maybe some of you guys that are getting close to the end, you know, it's easy to want to quit and give up. And the devil will come to you. He will always come to you. Anytime that you do anything that you are determined to set out and do anything for the kingdom of God, you can know that the devil's going to come against you. He's going to attack you. And he's going to speak lies to you. He's going to say, well, how are you going to make it through this crisis? How are you possibly going to be able to get through this crisis? What are you going to do now? Well, if God's so faithful, how would God allow this to happen to you? or to your family. We've all heard these lies. We've all heard the enemy say these things to us. But see, enduring faith rises up and it answers the enemy's lies. Devil, you asking the wrong question of me. Because church, I learned a long time ago, the question for me is not how I'm going to make it or what will become of me or mine. That's not the question. Because I've already placed everything, all of my afflictions, all of my trials, all of my fear, my very life, I've placed them all in the loving hands of my Father. And I know that my Father is going to see me through regardless of what I face. See, enduring faith makes me ask. In the middle of my trial, I mean right in the middle of a hard time, here's what enduring faith makes me ask. How can I love and serve the Lord better? How can I serve my neighbor better? How can I be a stronger man of God? See, that's what has to happen when we find ourselves in situations, when we're facing difficult times, when we're facing maybe sickness in our body or a loved one is dealing with sickness or a loss or a, or a difficulty or maybe a financial setback or whatever it may be. See, we've got to have faith that can endure. See, enduring faith means that we cast ourselves fully on God. I want to ask you tonight, how are you responding to the current difficulty that you're facing right now? What words are coming out of your mouth? What's your attitude toward what you're facing? Are you angry? Or are you in peace? Are you doubting? Or are you trusting? Are you full of anxiety and worry, or are you walking in God's providence and peace? See, with this kind of faith, you're equipped for whatever the present hour brings you. It doesn't matter what it is. As I close tonight, recognize that the goal of faith is not to get God to do what we want Him to do. And that's been taught for a very long time, and many, many people have been caught up in that. The goal of faith is to get God to do what we want Him to do. The goal is to get us to live with a right understanding of the character and the promises of God. God's not a genie in a lamp. God's not a cosmic bellhop running around the universe responding to all of our whims and all of our needs. No, God is God. 
God is all wise. God is genius. God is brilliant. God knows the end from the beginning. And even though we can't see it, church, we have to trust in a God who can. As a matter of fact, ultimately, and this is going to really sound like a crutch for some people, but it's the truth. Faith comes down to distrusting. If you just boil faith down to its basic element, what it's going to be is do you trust God? Do you trust God through all of the things that life brings your way? The ups and the downs, the good days and the seemingly bad days. Do you trust God through all of these things? Even when you don't know how, when, where, what, you don't have any of those answers. All you have is a relationship with God, a confident trust in Him that He is on the throne, that He is with you right through the moment and the difficulty. He is with you when you're believing Him for whatever it is that you're believing Him for, and that He in His providence knows what's best, and we're trusting Him for that outcome for our life. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap in this house. Oh, come on. Don't patty cake. Let's give him a hand clap. He, he's deserving of it. Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray together. And you know, it, it, we are ending early because we didn't have worship. So I, I just want to take a minute. You know, maybe I was speaking to some people here tonight. Maybe there's some things that you're struggling with maybe some UTC guys you know there's some things in your family or some things that are outside of your control maybe being right in the program right now there's some difficulty that you're dealing with maybe maybe tonight you were thinking about quitting maybe some of you were thinking about leaving I don't have to put up with this I don't have to deal with this <clears throat> and I understand that I don't think there's anybody that hadn't wanted to quit I don't think there's anybody who hadn't wanted to give up when things get hard. But I just want to tell you, you can make a habit of finishing just as much as you can make a habit of quitting. And the habit of finishing is going to produce a whole lot more for you in life than the habit of quitting. You don't want to get to the end of your life, guys, and look back and have a lot of regrets. You want to look back on your life and you want to say, I did my very best, and I fought to the end. I'm not a quitter. I'm a finisher. Amen? For the rest of you here tonight, let's just, if you, if you have a need, I'm just asking you by faith, just extend your hand like that, because that'll let me know who I need to pray for here tonight in this room. If you have a prayer need, you have a request, I just want you to raise your hand. Now, the rest of you here tonight that don't have needs, I'm asking you to extend your faith. You extend your faith to the rest of the ones here in this room, and let's just pray together. Father God, we thank you tonight that you're our Father. Lord, we thank you that you're our need meter. And God, we thank you that you are a God who fulfills his word and his promises. Lord, tonight I pray for strength of heart. I pray for encouragement. And I pray for faith to be released to your people. Faith for healing. Faith for promotion. Faith for the unseen. Faith for the unknown. God, I release peace. I release your anointing. I release your power to your people tonight in this room.
And God, I don't know all of the circumstances. I don't know all the things that they're dealing with, but you know. And God, you see where each and every person in this room is tonight and what they're facing. And God, tonight I pray that your people in this room will be encouraged by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just release that anointing to them right now in the name of Jesus. And especially, God, I pray for the gift of faith to be released in this room tonight for those that have lifted their hands so that they will be able to trust you for the outcome that you have, whatever it is, that you know what's best, and we trust you. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.